powered by Transistor FM. It's the Derek Duvall Show. A show about the best of humanity with guests from all professions and walks of life. Pop culture, interesting news, and hot takes. Now, here's the number one host in your hearts, Derek Duvall. Greetings and hallucinations. Welcome to episode 12 of the Derek Duvall Show. If you haven't figured it out yet, I am your host, Derek, and can you believe it? We've got another amazing guest that I cannot wait for you to meet. A lot has happened since the last time we got to share some airspace together. The mighty Welsh are still undefeated in the Six Nations tournament. Also, while we're in the cheering mood, Wales defeated England. <laughs> 40 to 24. Let me say it a little bit slower for the England fans. 40 to 24. Bloody hell, it was a good match. Would have given vital parts of my anatomy to have been there in Cardiff, but alas, let's just say there was much rejoicing and singing throughout the valleys. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but I want to extend a big congratulations to Johnny Dangerous of Too Many Captains on the birth of his son. Can't wait for COVID to end so me and the missus can come check him out. He is cute. Switching gears. So, what do we have in store for episode 12? My bestie and my brother from another mother, Money Chris, will be stopping by to discuss Coming to America 2, the height of Tom Cruise, and some random Marvel MCU stuff. After that, a great interview with up-and-coming singer Sadie Cannon, whose single The Ceiling is all the rage. You aren't going to want to miss that, so... Let's just dive right on in. All right. Welcome to the show. My brother from another mother, Money Chris. What's going on, brother? Oh, nothing. Just uh, watching some movies and also going to IMDb and getting my mind blown by some things. Like what? So Kristen Wiig has a hundred acting credits to her name. It's got to be Guess voice how work. Many... It's got to be voice work. Uh, there's... TV series, actually, there's there's some voice work. There's a lot of voice work, but there's also a lot of not voice work. Mm. So Go that's ahead. what. So guess how many Tom Cruise has? Eighty. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. So it just kind of blows my mind the fact that Kristen Wiig has like twice the credits on well, imdb well you also have to take it back it's tom like cruise. you know tom cruise is an established a-list actor he doesn't need to do a million you know indie films to keep his name out there as in Kristen wig i mean outside of a handful of people who you know snl you know Kristen wig makes you know very funny comedies but she's also done some serious work too i know but just the concept that she has been doing it so so much less than tom cruise has that's one of the things that you would think that just from the popularity that they're, you know, and the the sheer length of his of his career compared to hers, you would think that it would be at least closer. The only movie, I'm not, all I'm going to say is when it comes to Tom Cruise, the only movie where Tom Cruise is not playing Tom Cruise is The Last Samurai. Everything else, it's Tom Cruise being someone or running from somebody or running towards somebody. And smiling with his teeth that don't line up with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or standing on a or standing on a platform to make it look like he's taller than he really is. If you guys haven't seen it, you need to go Google search Tom Cruise teeth. No, I haven't seen that. Because his 
the middle of his teeth is like, it's like all of his teeth are offset by one. And so the middle of his mouth doesn't match up with the middle of his teeth. Are you serious? I don't know. Yes, that. go look. I will. I, I will. think if you do Tom Cruise teeth. Hmm. Nightmare fuel. Cool. All right. So we would talk about this earlier. You and I have seen it. We've both seen it. Coming to America too. What what's your first what were your first impressions? So first impressions. I didn't think it was there were some funny parts. It's hard to tell whether it was as funny. You think it was just nostalgia fuel? Because that's how I felt. It's definitely nostalgia fuel because they basically made the plot of the movie the same as the plot for the first movie for the most part. I thought the funny part for me, and I, I made this comment to, to Mrs. Duvall last night, is for a movie that's called Coming to America, they didn't spend a lot of time in America at all. Yeah, they... So, I mean, I think everybody knows the kind of the basis for the story. Oh, yeah, that he yeah. has a son in America, right? Yeah. And I was... It was almost like watching Avengers Endgame for me where they kill Thanos at the very beginning of the movie and I was not prepared. I was expecting that to be like half the movie of going to try to find Thanos mm-hmm. uh, Thanos at the you know beginning of that movie. They they decide they're going to go find his son and it's literally like 10 minutes and they're back with him. Yeah. And I was totally not prepared for that to be I, it's funny. Storyline. It's funny you say Avengers Endgame. I think the end of that movie was kind of like the end of Avengers Endgame, where all the portals open and all the cast and crew from the last couple of movies suddenly show up. You know, I mean, like the last ten minutes of that movie. Spoiler alert: It's nothing but every single person who was in Coming to America who was still alive is in that scene. There, yeah, and then you know, Captain America says on your left and then everybody comes through the door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or actually he doesn't say that. That's uh yeah. The Falcon. But, but yeah, that's, that's how I felt like, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I posted on Facebook and everybody was kind of like, you know, eh, it was all right. It was like, I laughed my ass off. I thought it was brilliant. Yes. I do agree. It should have been rated R because you, that was part of the charm of the original, but I thought it got away with a PG 13. Okay. I felt that our senior hall could have been given a little more meat to his role. But um, yeah, I, I loved it. And I, the, my only, and I, I made this comment as well last night. The only part for me that I felt was totally robbed is even though uh, Wesley Snipes now is in his mid to late fifties, he can still kick ass with the most of them. And that's fight scene. He should have been dropping those couple of black belts he's got under his name and uh, doing some ass whipping. What did you think of the de-aged sequence with Arsenio? Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Same with Eddie. It looked seamless. I thought that I could tell a little bit for Arsenio. I couldn't tell so much with Eddie. I think that also they may have taken some old footage, like some outtakes or something like that, you know? I think that they're I think that part of it when they were seeing themselves from across the room, I'm curious if that was Kind of, they took the old footage and mm-hmm. then 3D rendered it. Right. You know, because they had what they looked like sitting in that location. Yeah. Uh, and then the new scenes, I, I think it was kind of a mixture of that. I think it I reminds me a little bit of how they did with Cobra Kai in the opening sequence of Cobra Kai, where they showed the flashback to the, the final fight with Daniel and Johnny. They took a lot of outtakes and alternate angles from the original fight that were never used and made it look a little fresher. I, I love the part of it really, really, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, 
the the ending with bringing Randy Watson back was brilliant. The people in the barbershop should not, in theory, be alive, but they are. I thought it was awesome that to see uh, James Earl Jones get, you know, he's getting on. There's probably going to be any day now. He may end up just dying, which really sucks because I'm a big fan. Oh, his his cameo. Um, this is ZNN. Did you get yeah. that? I thought yes. that was a beautiful touch right there. You know, yes. If especially like if especially if you know the context, I like this is ZNN. I was like, that is brilliant. Love that. But yeah, um, Wesley Snipes, man, he got. I think he got some of the best lines in the movie. I really liked Wesley Snipes' character. I also really liked Jermaine Fowler. Yeah, he's definitely an up and coming. Um, Lavelle, Lavelle Johnson. Yeah, is it was it Johnson or Johnson? Johnson. Johnson. Okay, because it's spelled Johnson. Oh. Uh, in but they said Johnson, so I was uh, the IMDb anyway. I think he's gonna. I think he's going to, he's been at a lot of things, you know, TV. He had a lot of T, he has a lot of small TV mm. appearances. Here, here's another interesting thing. He has 43 acting credits to his name. <laughs> Only eight short of Tom Cruise. Oh God. It's just, I mean, a lot of them are small. A couple of them are voice. He, I think he's probably, he's, there's crushing or crashing, sorry, crashing. TV series that was on HBO about a comedian, uh, uh, comedians. Um, he was on that for in 2017 to 2019, but I think he has a bright future you in know, acting. I'm going to say one thing real fast. You know what? You were just talking about Tom Cruise. I want to see Tom Cruise play a, a MCU villain because he is a very good villain. Collateral show that he can be just absolutely ruthless, cold. And I was like, I would love to see him play. Just take a really good Marvel movie and just make him the make him the big bad. I mean, I don't know. I think he's he's kind of built to be Ant Man, right? He's so short. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to do any sizing issues. Oh, they can do, do force perspective to make him look like a. Oh. If I ever become famous, he's not going to come on my show now. <laughs> Uh, but no, um, no, I, I, I loved coming to America too. I, I laughed. Um, I thought it was just, it's just, it was two hours of just pure nostalgia. It's, it's not meant to win awards. It's not meant to, you know, I won't have you. It, I just, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And I was really, really nervous leading up to it until I started reading the first reviews. I'm like, oh, right. Now I can breathe. I was surprisingly excited to watch it because there's been a lot of things that, you know, I, I hear is are coming out and then it, it, it goes live and I miss it. And if I don't watch it, you know, when it comes out, then it just kind of gets lost. So as soon as I found out that it was live, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it tonight. That's, that's kind of what right now I'm, I'm trying to avoid the internet. So I don't want to know how WandaVision ends because, um, Mrs. Duval, we just started, she, I got away to like the modern family episode. And then she wants to watch it. So we started at the beginning. So we're about to watch episode three sometime today. Oh, man. Good yeah. luck avoiding all those spoilers. Oh, I have, trust me. I, I have deliberately uh, avoiding Twitter and all of our social one media. Of the, one of the things that seems to be interesting 
about this is that they are not treating it. So, you know, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to be some sort of, you know, tie in with the Marvel Universe. And what they ended up with was basically just they had and I, I stopped watching it about halfway through, but they ended up with, you know, they would mention things that happened in the movies on the TV show. But what they're doing with these Marvel shows, at least from what I can tell with WandaVision, is is that these are basically like six-hour movies that have large impacts on the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. It's not just we're doing this show for no reason. Yeah, uh, I, I'm curious with the... Was it, is it Captain America and Falcon or Falcon and Captain America? Uh, Winter Soldier and... Or Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier and, and yeah. Falcon, yeah. Same thing, yeah, I agree. And I, and I'm, I had, like I said, I haven't watched the end of WandaVision yet, but I've said from the beginning that I'm pretty sure this is the tie-in to the new Doctor Strange movie. But if I'm wrong, then, hey, I'm wrong. I'm not sure how they're going to tie it in, but there's a very real possibility. I'll say that it definitely is going to impact the movie. I mean, it's definitely what happens is going to be going into the movie. I'm just curious if there's going to be a more to this, if this is going to, you know, I'm curious if they're going to have with the Falcon and winter soldier, if there's going to be pieces of this story that, that arc over there's potential for it to arc over into the Spider-Man movie. There's, you know, because these people are in the universe, right? And so there's a lot of people in the story, as you know, and they're going to go their separate ways. And are they going to show up in the Spider-Man movie? Are they going to show up in the Falcon Winter Soldier? Are they going to, sh- you know? If you had told me 20 years ago that Elizabeth Olsen would be one of the biggest stars in the world and not Mary Kate or Ashley, I would have just told you you're absolutely out of your mind. But here we are, you know? I'm wondering who has made more money at this point. I feel oh, like the sisters. No, it's the sisters without question. In fact, uh, just, we were talking so the other day. I think, I think they're like billionaires now or something close to it. Yeah. Their fashion, I believe it is, their fashion line. Um, yeah, uh, the, the sisters are, I think, I think they actually might be billionaires. Do you know what's funny? I, met, I read an article the other day that said that there were over 100 and something known billionaires in this world and not one of them is a superhero. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you don't see Jeff Bezos or um, what's his name, uh, Elon Musk out there, you know, you know, beating the criminals of the world to a pulp. But oh well, we can try, we can try for maybe one day. Jeff Bezos just killing his employees' dreams is what he's doing. My question to you is this, and I want your honest opinion: Do you think Marvel, Kevin, what's how do you say his last name? Phage. Yeah. It is Phage, isn't it? I don't know if it's Fage or Fage. Anyway, Fige, him, Fige, that guy. Yeah. Do you think he is pot, he is capable funny. of finally delivering on the promise of a good Fantastic Four movie? I knew exactly when you said good. I knew exactly where you were going with this. <laughs> it's. I, I don't think it's possible. I honestly, I feel like it isn't. I feel like it is impossible because I feel like the world has gone past those characters. Hmm. I don't feel like being invisible and being stretchy and being made out of rock are the same as it was back when those comic books were out. Mm. Cause now you've got, you know, the thing, you've got the Hulk. Yeah. What's the difference between the thing and the Hulk? Mm. Except that I think that the Hulk's more powerful, yeah. you know, and uh, the thing could be defeated by paper. What's better than, <laughs> <laughs> 
what's you know you've got why do you need to be invisible when you have quicksilver yeah in theory that could all right gun okay this is the question that we'll do this real fast gun to your head who plays wolverine i've already got a name already in mind yeah new wolverine i got i already have a name already picked out i think that it would be cool to have jonathan majors from lovecraft country Mm. play wolverine i think that it would be a pretty cool character to have him play. He's already pretty jacked as it is, like very jacked. My name I pick is uh, Scott Eastwood. What about one of the what about one of the Hemsworth brothers? You think he could do it? That could be real fun, by the way. And there are like three of them. I know one of them's already spoken for, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think <sighs> Liam. Maybe I don't know. I, Liam Hemsworth. I feel like what we're getting into potentially is, is going to be interesting on what they end up doing because you've got, if you go back to the 2000 X-Men movie, I think it was 2000. Oh God. The first X-Men, yeah. I think it was got yeah. Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and look at the body type of Hugh Jackman in the first movie versus the later ones, it yeah. is kind of crazy. Oh, it's insane. He, pun- he punished see. his body to, yeah, to, I mean, we're talking like Mac. He, he looked even more built than freaking some of those um, NFL players. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of interesting to see, to wonder whether they're going to go with this. And the thing about it is, like, I never read, look, here's the thing. I never read the, the Wolverine comics growing up. I was not an X-Men fan. However, and I did not know this until someone pointed out to me recently, Wolverine's supposed to be like Tom Cruise's height, you know? Yes. I, I did not know that. He's supposed to be this little tiny dude who has to stand on a platform to look taller. Oh, Tom Cruise is actually five seven. So Tom Cruise, uh, Wolverine's actually five foot three. So he's smaller than he's smaller than Tom Cruise. No wonder he couldn't ever get Jean Grey. Oh. <laughs> if you go back, minus a few very cringe-worthy moments. You know, that X-Men movie, is, it actually holds up pretty well. Ian McKellen was a great choice. And there was only one person in the world who was going to play Professor X. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, can you? Yeah. He's, I, yeah. At that time, there was only one person in the whole world. It's, he didn't, yeah, I don't it's, think he even auditioned. I think he was just like, hey, you got the part. Like, All right, great. I'll show up. Yeah, I, I would be, I would be amazed if they, if he didn't just basically get offered the part immediately. I figured that that would be pretty insulting to even have him come in to to do anything regarding that. Well, you have to commit to nine of them? Well, besides the committal, but just the time. Like, it's 21 years since the first X-Men movie. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart is still luckily with us. So, And how do you... I mean, how do you account for the the decades that these franchises and things like that... and you might, I mean, you might want to, you might want to start getting fourteen-year-olds to play Professor Xavier and age him up post-production. Do you know say, what's funny? You say that actually. It's like I read an article about how Marvel approached Patrick Stewart to say, "Hey, would you want to come back as Professor X?" And he said, "No." He goes, uh, "Logan took care of that for me. I, I'm, you know, I have no interest. Flattered, but." And I'm like, I, I have not watched Picard yet. And you told me that he is, he just looks eighty-five. In Picard, and you were like, he just doesn't sound like the commanding voice that he used to have. He, you can tell he's just frail. 
you know, and they don't hide the fact that he's frail and old. And I'm curious what they're going to do with the second season, because in theory he should not be so frail, but, um, the, yeah, it's, you know, they had parts where he was supposed to be running, you know, and, and he's like, I can't run, you know, which is, do you know how you solve that problem? Put him in a wheelchair. No, 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 no. You jets. hire Tom Cruise and then you Photoshop. Hire you Tom Photoshop Cruise runs for him. He runs for him, puts his face on his body. Oh man, because <laughs> that's what he does. He runs. You know. I wonder if there's a Tom Cruise marathon <laughs> where the Tom like, Cruise marathon. I love it. Yeah, like you go on YouTube it. and there's just. <laughs> There's just Tom Cruise running in every movie, all 50 of them, and see if you can get to, if he, you know, if he's run a total of 23 or what is it, 23 miles. For- if there is somebody out there who is willing to commit the time, if you can find out how many, how many average miles Tom Cruise may have ran in his career, please tweet us at Derek Duvall Show, and we will see if we can put something together, the, Tom Cru- the first annual Derek Duvall Show-sponsored Tom Cruise Marathon. Love it. Love it. Oh, God. It's uh, be kind of like those, like Peloton, but Tom yeah, Cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make an Iron Man out of it, too. Maybe he's, yeah. maybe he's swimming as well. You got to dive. You got to you gotta climb on a building, jump out of a plane, climb a jet. mountain. He's done that, too. So Yes. Yeah. Oh, he went into space. So Oh, that hasn't happened we'll, yet, though. No. That hasn't happened okay. yet. I am looking forward to that, actually. So, Are you, I just want to be the people on the, on the International Space Station, or, you know, the... All, these are hardcore scientists. They're in it for the for the science, and all of a sudden, Tom Cruise shows up, and you're like, "Hey, Tom," <laughs> you know. It's like, you know. All right. On that note, and I want to thank you as always for coming on this show. Oh, the Tom Cruise marathon that is brilliant. All right, my friend. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, you too. Later, everybody. Okay, guys, we are at the halfway point. Let's all stretch our legs, refresh our drinks. I highly advise some breathing exercises. Think Inspector Cluzo, the Peter Sellers one, not that bastard Steve Martin version. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. We will be right back after a message from our sponsor, and we are going to hear some words from friends of the Derek Duvall Show. We'll be right back. Are you tired of seeing the latest social media trends and fearing the worst? Does the daily news bring you down? Are you looking for something new and fun to listen to? Well, Well, that's that's where where we we come come in. in. Hi. Hi. It's Frankie. And Garrett. And we host The Ever-Trending Story, a weekly podcast where we present a fictional story utilizing the hottest happenings in the world and bring it straight to your earbuds. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go to anchor.fm slash evertrendingpod and subscribe today. Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart. 
We are teaming up with Clarks and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off selected items, including the iconic Clarks Dizaboot by going to podgo.co slash Clarks. Once again, that's podgo.co slash Clarks. Be sure to tell them that the Derek Duvall Show sent you. Hey, y'all. Hey, it's your girl, Tamara Dawn, host of Tamara Till the Break of Dawn podcast. Now join me every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform and hop on my train of thought as I talk about the foolishness I'm going through and the ways I'm trying to grow. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamara underscore the underscore Dawn. Now, every other letter is an A in Tamara, but make sure y'all check me out every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. Did you get that drink refreshed? I sure know I did. Okay, let's get right into part two. I always bring you the best guests. So on that note, welcome to the show for the very first time up and coming singer all the way from Los Angeles, California, Sadie Cannon. Sadie, good afternoon. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm out in LA right now. The weather is amazing. I know the rest of the world's kind of in like a snow zone, but I'm having a wonderful morning. How are you? Oh, not bad. Not bad. I, as you said, uh, we're, we're kind of thawing out today. So uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping all the snow gets melted. Yeah. I'm, I'm originally from Florida. So the snow, snow is a rough, rough topic for me. Like I was in Nashville for a year mm-hmm. and I was like, this is, this is real chilly. <laughs> I start my interviews, as I always do, with the most relevant question of the times that we are currently living in. How has the COVID world been treating you? It has been, as I'm sure we can all agree, a very life-altering experience. I actually am a very, I'm a very, very extroverted person. I've always been that way. I've always wanted like, to meet a lot of people and get to know people. And so to be locked inside and almost be forced into introversion is like, this has been a world of change in the last year for me. <laughs> I, I am the same way. I, I live and, and feed off the energy of people. So, uh, you know, before uh, COVID, we, you know, we bring people in, we, we talk face to face, but now we do everything over, you know, Google Meet or Zoom or et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's been an adjustment. Like I said, I had a milestone birthday last year, so I didn't get to celebrate it with my friends. And so... Uh, yeah, it's been an adjustment. Yeah, it is rough. The birthdays, I that was honestly, I feel like everyone everyone had their COVID birthday, and it was just kind of different. Cause you're like, wow, like this is a time of gathering, and for once, it's like, it's like, yeah, like so many people hit me through the phone, but it's just not the same. It's not the same as being with people, but people so, people have done Zoom calls for birthdays and things like that. So I've seen people like making the most of it, but it definitely is rough. Okay, so obviously, like I said, just getting to know each other. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and and your upbringings. So originally, I'm from a small town in Ocala, um, in Florida. It's called Ocala. It's kind of known for being a horse town. Um, so it's kind of a southern place, but also we're right by Orlando. I have two parents. Um, my mom, and my dad, most people have two parents, but I, my mom, and my dad raised me, and I have three older siblings. And at a young age, I started playing piano. Um, my mom put me in lessons. And from there, just like music kind of just like took over. I was always, do- always doing sports because that's kind of what everybody was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like I like the sports thing. But I really just like 
always like kept musicianship to myself, but always like yearned to do something more with it. So at 18, it's kind of like where I took the risk, told my parents that it was something I really wanted to do. And the closest people that we knew to music was like a distant relative of Dolly Parton. And so from there, just onward hustling into the music world. And that's what it's been for the last, it's been a while. I've kind of been in school too alongside things. So I've been, I've been doing an ultimate balancing act. So now we are here and this, we're ready to put out the most music we ever have than ever before. You're now you say you're from Florida. That is probably one of the most musical melting pots in the world. You know, you've got the Miami sound machine, you've got rock, you've got pop. How do you feel that this has influenced your early like musical beginnings? Do you, do you feel any of that? Definitely in Florida, there's just such a mixture of sound and culture. So you get exposed to so much. Um, I love like for me, like going to the beach and hearing like reggaeton music and just like, you feel like you can kind of live a part of so many different cultures because there's so many different pockets in Florida. So I feel like I just accepted such a diverse amount at a young age and was always looking for something different and new. My current sound, I'm kind of like in an R&B electronic space. Um, Florida, there's so many EDM festivals and I, I never really went to an EDM festival, but I was in a sorority at one point. And I loved the EDM wave just in general. Um, so I kind of have that sound looped into my music through that. Um, R&B kind of just comes with having um, a soulful low register. It just goes with it like that. So do you have any heroes, you know, musically that you looked up to when you were when you were coming up? Yeah, Taylor Swift. I feel like any middle schooler with a guitar would say my girl Taylor Swift. And she's definitely on there because she was just a very honest writer. And I feel like so many people found themselves in her writing. And that's a lot of what I aim to do with music. And like, when you're in high school, people don't talk about many internalized thoughts as much. And I hope to do with my hope with music is kind of like, to be like, hey, girl, like, it's all good. Like, what you're going through, like, these divided feelings, it's totally okay to be there. And that's what Taylor Swift was to me. I also looked up to like Miley Cyrus and the Jonas Brothers. I just really like people who wrote their own songs because I thought it was so cool that they got to tell their stories and like relate with so many people through songwriting. It's amazing. We revealed on an earlier episode of the show, um, the host is a bit of a Swifty. Totally out of demographic, I'm sure, that she's aiming for, but there's something about her music. It's very catchy and I... I really, really enjoy listening to it. My wife thinks I'm completely insane, but I really, really enjoy it. A good song you just can't be. A good song, it doesn't matter what the genre is, who the person is. You're just like, I feel happy listening to that music. That's the ultimate thing you want to do, just to have everyone feel the good vibe. So you mentioned piano. How long have you been playing? I started playing at the age of five, and then like elementary school to college years I was kind of wavy with on and off practicing but lately in the last like three to four years I've been really picking up and practicing same with like bass and I played bass in the middle school band and I started guitar in middle school and lately I've been working on production so it's just for me live performing is what I want to work to like having an ex excellent live performing playing presence Right now, I'm kind of like a studio kind of player where I get enough done for the take and so put it into the songs. But um, I really, I, I still want to challenge myself to become better, you know. Now, from what I've read, you moved to Nashville. 
How did being in Nashville um, really influence your songwriting? Did, did we working with other people and they were telling you like what's best, you know, what's best to do this and and that? Yeah, it's a lot of good storytellers in Nashville. I would say that's the biggest thing is that people really know how to tell a story. I feel like LA is very hook rhythm based, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people let the melody drive the music. Um, in Nashville, people really sit and they have a conversation and we have conversations in LA too, but I feel like people in Nashville, since it is like a slower paced town, they, they really want to get to the root of the story and tell that, that I feel like it brings back to me seeking the truth, like a lot of truth in the writing. So after Nashville, you took a long 2005 mile long trek to Los Angeles what inspired you to make that trip and how did you begin your work on getting established in the scene? When everything was open in LA, I was just always at a networking event. I was always going out, always putting myself out there, taking chances, shaking hands. And just, I came out, came so excited to be in LA and my, alongside my extroverted energy, I was just so ready to reach out and to me. And when I was first out here, it was like every single day session meetings and I just really made the time worth it because I knew I mean the more work you put in the more you get done the farther you'll go so I was just like it's time to hit the ground running and I was I was just so excited to be here and I'm still excited it's just the going out energy isn't the same but it's still there's been so many great adjustments with um, collaborating with people so so now we're going to go ahead and take a, a listen to your latest single, The Ceiling. Before we do that, do you want to introduce it and talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So um, The Ceiling, I wrote in 2019. Um, I started um, on the piano for um, writing it. At the time, I was dating somebody who was like far away from me, but I was like, but I wouldn't move to where they were. I was like, this, I'm in LA, this is the dream. So it was this big back and forth divide on you know, like, do I find comfort more so in an individual or is the dream my ultimate comfort? And I feel like sometimes the dream can get exhausting to seek comfort elsewhere. So the song's kind of like a divide between that, like, is my passion what makes, gives me the most comfort or an individual? And that's, that's ultimately what it's all about. It's a little, it's a little, he's, he's abstract, but also like there's a lot of interpretation open for um, the listener. But I'm super excited for the world to hear it. And I'm so grateful to have written with alongside a fantastic producer and work with great people to bring the song to life. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is her latest single, The Ceiling. If I'm being honest, I don't want this. I don't want this to end. If I made a
Sadie, you hear that song. What's the first thing that crossed your mind hearing the finished product? Honestly, like, I just can't believe so many amazing people. Like, I can't believe the talent that I'm able to work alongside and that they allow me to be so picky because I'm such a perfectionist. And with everything, like, I just push everybody. I was like, no, nah, let's do another round. Or, like, let's do another take. Like, my producer was like, Sadie, we've been in the studio for so long. I was like, but it needs to be the perfect take. And I'm just so thankful that so many people have been patient with me and that I'm also getting such great, amazing feedback from all my kind friends and people who have joined the journey along the way. And uh, just so excited. So obviously, I've, I've, we've heard about the uh, music video. Tell us about the obstacles you had to overcome to film that. It was it was an obstacle because um, right now in Los Angeles, it's extremely hard to not as much now because things are starting to open up because the regulations have been put in place. But when it was on total shutdown, it was hard to get people to want to go to an actual studio or like there's a lot of regulations or things were shut down um, or people were out of town. So I was like, okay, what is the simplest thing that I can do that'll still be interesting to visually to people? So I actually have like a quirky passion that my friends love, I love making photo backdrops for almost every single occasion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just made four different backdrops. Originally, it was it was actually supposed to be a photo shoot. Then I was like, you know what? This photo shoot can be a music video if we just do a couple takes of me singing. And so from there, I, um, me alongside another one of my friends edited the music video. And I'm so like, there's not a single, every single piece of it I love. And I'm so happy that I was able to put so much creativity into it with the minimal resources that we had. It is crazy because you can really do it all from an iPhone these days. And it's insane, but also it gives everyone a chance to express their creativity if they're willing to put the time in. And that's what I think is so awesome is that now more than ever, if you're just willing to put the time in and you're consistent, everyone has a chance. So with the global pandemic, artists have had to reinvent the way they turn a profit and keep themselves relevant, um, some with pay services like Patreon, uh, some with online concert sessions. How have you been able to navigate your way through all this? Honestly, I've just been doing a lot of video content creation. That's been my main thing. I just have been really sticking to that because that was my strong suit. And so I've just been sticking um, to excellent content creation. 
we are in the talks of Patreons and things in that line. We're going to reveal more of that alongside my next single. So stay tuned and you'll see what happens. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier your fans. Um, how have your fans been supportive about your musical direction? I mean, are they, have they ever been like, you could try something else and do this? Or are they, are they kind of like, what you're doing is amazing? It's funny because some people are like, this is this is the best stuff. They're like, this is fantastic. And it's funny because I've been sitting with this song for a while because I was putting, you know, media behind it afterwards. And so it's like, I knew it existed for a while. So then I forget that I'm like, oh, yeah. Then when the rest of the world knows, like they just started knowing about it a couple of days ago. And people were like, oh, my gosh, I remember you used to sing or I remember. And now you're this good. Like what? And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I I feel like I, I have like been this good for a while because I've been practicing so much. And then just to put out something that I feel I really put time in and just kept to myself until I really thought it was perfect. And then to see the reaction to something that I let just put my ultimate energy into be in the world and get responses. It's been amazing, honestly. I, there's been so much love and support. And I just am so happy that so many people are moved by the song. We're, we're going to mention your social media later, but do you feel like you know, with with what they have out today, they have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, I think someone called TikTok or whatever it's called. Uh, do you feel that using that has has really kind of got you out there? Absolutely. Uh, TikTok literally can change a life, which is insane. And I've seen, I've seen Instagram and TikTok change lives of so many people. And all you have to do is be consistent and be you because everyone is beautiful in their own individual way. So if you're just if what you want is to build a platform and you just honestly express yourself, like you can't lose. And so I love that it gives everybody an opportunity to express themselves. I have a one question I, I would love to ask. And I wrote this down not long ago. Um, do you have anyone out there right now that you would just love to collaborate with? Oh, there's so many. But I would say an artist that I'm a huge, huge fan of out in Los Angeles is Alina Baraz. And I think her stuff is just amazing. She's She's definitely on the rise, and I think she has a cool sound. I love how she um, uses electronic influences in her stuff, and the, the compositions are just extremely, extremely amazing. So that's somebody I'm a big fan of. Obviously, when pandemic's over, you had mentioned maybe you want a tour. Is there another album in the works? Yeah, so for all of 2021, I'm doing singles, the same situation with music videos, and we're going to keep building the things that we do around um, the singles that I have. But top of 2022, I'm interested in releasing probably a project with like the same kind of chill vibe. And then after that, that summer, I really want to have a high energy touring project because I'm actually going to move back to Nashville for the next year because I have an offer for somebody to help put a live show together. So I'm hoping that that will be in the future. I'm excited to see how it all falls through. I know I'm going to put my all into it. So we're going to see what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. I end my interview with the same question. If the entire population of the planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing that you would want to say to the people of Earth? The only way to lose is to stop trying. I get so many awesome answers to that question. It's probably in my probably my most favorite part of all the interviews. Okay, mm -hmm. Sadie, go ahead and let everyone know how they can find you on social media and online. My Instagram handle, TikTok handle, pretty much all the handles are Sadie Cannon. Cannon, like the medieval weapon, not the camera. 
Um, though, T-H-O, Sadie Cannon, though, T-H-O. Sadie, thank you for coming on the show. On behalf of myself and my fans, I want to wish you all the success in your career going forward. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your time. I had so much fun. It was so great talking with you. You're welcome. Hopefully down the road, you have any more projects you want to plug, come on board the show. We'll be glad to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. And I would be more than happy to be back. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you again. Fantastic. Have a great day. And just like Wash in Serenity, we have come to the end of this episode. But fear not. Unlike that unlucky bastard, The Derek Duvall Show will be back soon with more interviews with fascinating people. We have got some great, great guests who have already recorded interviews with us in the last few weeks, and I cannot wait for you to meet them. Believe me, we've got some absolute gold right here. By the time the next episode airs, we will know if Wales has won a Grand Slam in the Six Nations or... So look for a very excited Derek Duvall in the next show, or a really Eori-esque intro. Have you given any thought to supporting the Derek Duvall Show by buying us a cup of coffee? Your generosity gives our production the help it needs to continuously provide quality entertainment. We have a link posted on our page, DerekDuvallShow.com. We greatly appreciate your support. A lot of folks have reached out to the team about the lack of content on our Instagram page. We are aware of the short-sightedness and are working on getting quality stuff added to that social media channel. It's a little slow, but you can go ahead and get yourself ready by looking for it at Derek Duvall Show. I promise you, we're going to get some really good stuff on there. A few weeks ago, I appeared on the podcast, Your Next Favorite Movie, and discussed my all-time favorite film, Jaws. Shocker. Give it a listen. It was a lot of fun to record. Find them on Twitter at YNF Movie Pod. Great times, and I want to extend a thank you to Josh for bringing me on and extending me that invitation. It was a lot of fun. So on behalf of the entire team, I say the following to one listener who is very dear to me. Dante's Peak might be a good flick, but Volcano was the far superior film. Know why? Flood Control and Tommy Lee Jones. Check and mate. So with that in mind, Nosta, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.